Welcome to the no riding zone. The no air zone. It's the no spin dash zone. I should just stop trying to be creative. The no pit stop zone. I mean, it, it would have worked better if it weren't the specific game where, like, there's not a new move that Sonic has. Yeah, it's just a racing game, guys. The no hand plant 360 no scope zone. The, the no melon zone. The no what? That's a it's a move. That's a trick you can perform. Oh, yeah. okay. I was just thinking of the fruit melon, and I was like, when does that appear in this game? It's also a, it's a skating trick in general. The no stale fish zone. You guys, I don't know anything about sports. Well, that's okay because this is extreme sports, and not sports. Well, I don't. I know even less about extreme sports. You you might say I don't. Did you not watch the second Goofy movie? <laughs> <laughs> Today we're playing Sonic Riders, and. That's a game that I think we three like in varying degrees. I specifically love this game. I had a traumatic experience with this game as a kid in that it was the first game that I rented that I just returned like the day after. <laughs> How about you, Isaiah? I never liked this game. This, I think, is my favorite of the Sonic racing games. I'm not sure if I can say that. That's, that's a high bar, I think, for you. I mean, I like Sonic R a lot, but... Yeah. And also, Sonic and Sega All-Stars is a very good racing game, but it's, like, a pretty normal racing game. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas this is what we in the biz call a future racer. So that means that, basically, it's kind of like F-Zero, if you're uninitiated to that genre. Yeah, it's like a racing game, but, like, in the in the future. No, that's not quite what that means. <laughs> the setting matters, but so does things like having a life meter and being able to use it as a resource. Yeah. Also, things like tricks and jumps that you have to manage. Like, you, you don't just, like, jump and then go somewhere else. You have to angle your car, or in this case, your board, or skates, or whatever you're using. Yeah. And then there's other things. Like, also, the music is important. It's, like, I, I do like that it's that Sonic so far with the exception i guess of drift and drift 2 but even then i mean on the on the game gear it's kind of hard to to innovate the racing genre sonic has not done just like a formulaic racing game really yet and it'll get there yeah you mean like a kart racer well yeah here's the thing like kart racers are one thing, but I feel like Sega and Sonic All-Stars, and also, to a certain extent, Mario Kart gets there too, but they just take their kart racers and make them future racers. Yeah. Because, like, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed is, like, very much so a future racing game, and so is Mario Kart 8. Okay. Because you go on sort of, like, pipelines and stuff like that, and you do the upside down and the transforming, and, the, like, there's a lot more boosting mechanics and stuff like that. There's a lot more mechanics in general. That's another thing about future racers is they're pretty mechanic-heavy. Yeah. They have dense gameplay. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about gameplay? I'm sorry. <laughs> that was kind of your segue, yeah. yeah. So, I think a good way to start with talking about the gameplay is just kind of see yourself in a race. So, in almost any racing game, you're kind of expected to, like, rev your engine or something like that. But, like, in this game, you have, like, your, your mode of transport. And you're just kind of standing there. And in front of you is, like, an electric fence. And you get the countdown. And... I guess the great thing about playing a game when you have CPUs, you get to see what they're doing and get an idea what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like in F-Zero, everyone starts their engine at a certain point that you kind of get the impression, oh, I should do that or something. But this game, it's more clear-cut because you can back up and then there'll be uh, an illuminated line in front of you moving forward as the countdown goes down so you can hopefully get enough walking distance right to the finish line. Or, yeah, base the finish line, but starting line. And try to get a good boost by walking just enough to cross a line, but without hitting the electric fence and stunning yourself and, you know, losing time, basically. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're trying to get a running start, but if you're too eager, you'll hit the electric fence and be out for, like, yeah. like, a long time. Yeah. 
like long enough that in single player it's an instant reset. And one of the first things you'll notice is that, well, you don't need to hold down a button to accelerate. And I didn't think about this at first, and you guys are probably more experienced in this, like, claim than I did. I was probably going to say this before we recorded, but it reminds me of Kirby Air Ride, but I know Air Ride has way different mechanics. I actually think that Kirby Air Ride qualifies as a future racing game. Yeah. I see it. And I would agree with you that a lot of this game's mechanics, like, to someone who has played Kirby Air Ride for, like, the racing segment and not just the party mm -hmm. mode, would feel at home with these controls. Yeah. So, your car kind of has a fuel thing. It runs on air, and that air kind of slowly depletes over time, and you can recharge that air by, you know, going to a charge station, which does waste significant time uh, doing tricks, because there'll be ramps that'll, that'll launch you to do tricks for you, or sometimes you'll go into a, a segment that just has you spin the control stick to get air. Don't get Mario PTSD with that, by the way. <laughs> Usually you don't have to spin it too hard to get back to full air. Right, you, you can do it at a considerable pace, and I don't think... I, I don't know. That minigame uh, ripped the padding off of pretty much all of my controllers. And probably the padding on your palm, too. Yeah. Got him. Definitely had a friend who... And this friend, let's let's be clear, this friend was the person that ripped the padding off of all of my controllers. I probably should have just let him use the one controller that broke first <laughs> every time we hung out afterwards. I remember I saw my brother who got it, and then I realized it was an actual thing that everyone had trouble with. Yeah. Yeah, but he, like, cut his hand on the controller afterwards. Ugh playing this game. Goodness gracious. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I always play with a GameCube uh, controller that has the padding ripped off, because I prefer it. <laughs> I just don't have any padding left. Like, that's those are all of my options. And, and by the way, to like do tricks, you can... Like, there are automatic ramps, but there are also just other ramps that don't necessarily automatically put you tricks, but if you hold down the jump button and get enough air, you can do it. And there's some ramps like half pipes you can do tricks on too. And sometimes characters in front of you will leave like an air trail that you can regain air on and do tricks on. Yeah, that's called turbulence. And also lets you accelerate a bit. But one of the big key ways to get air is basically all the racers are divided into three categories, speed, fly, and power. Uh, speed characters can get air by going to rails and to get onto a rail, you, you basically have to look for like the, the blue light at the entry point so it's easy to find. And you have to jump and then hit the jump button again when you're over rail to automatically connect. It's a little bit fickle and it bothers me a little bit, but it also makes it easier to land on the rail. It's very fickle. I've got a fun fact for you guys. Yeah. If you just tap A twice, it doesn't matter when you tap the second A, as long as you've only hit it twice, you will yeah. cling to the rail no matter what if you touch it, so you don't have to time it at all. Right. That is not my experience for rails that you have to jump from one to the other for. Yeah. It still works the same way. I've been testing it, like, all week. I, I have definitely tried it, and it has definitely not worked. Then you just miss the rail. I really don't like... I mean, this, this is, I guess, going to be a recurring theme because I don't like this game, but I don't like how the rail... It seems to not want you to, to get onto it un, unless you're apparently an expert at grabbing onto it. I mean, I would say that it just takes practice. And rails will end with a red light, and sometimes it'll let you jump to another rail, so like Steven said, just double tap A to get on there. Once again, we're playing the GameCube version... I, I also reorganized my GameCube games. I showed this I showed this to these guys earlier, but I have every GameCube game, Sonic game, and I'm very proud of that fact. Riders was the last one because I didn't like it. Uh, that's a tangent. Anyway, <laughs> that's how speed characters get air. Uh, flying characters can get air by launching off specific ramps or hitting dash rings, like you know, in other Sonic games. There's you know Sonic Adventure, yeah, Sonic Adventure, uh, Sonic Heroes. Yeah. But the thing you have to realize about You'll see fly ramps because they're like very yellow. 
and sometimes they're hidden ways, but like if you can see a ring, you can usually find a way if it's whether it's a fly ramp or it's just a half pipe. Yeah. Yeah. So I, whenever I see a ramp, like I have the instinct to jump. Right. Oh yeah. But jumping on it like ruins it. You just have to slide off the the yellow ramp. I'm gonna make a weird connection. Yeah, you are not supposed to jump off this ramp, unlike every other ramp. Yeah, cause like um, I don't know if any of you've played Donkey Kong 64 to the extensive point that I have. But there is a, a race in Crystal Caves, one of the later levels, where you have to race a beetle, and there's like really death jumps. Oh yeah. Death jumps. I can't grammar. <laughs> but like I would always jump on those ramps, but I later realized that it just automatically hops you for you so i was wasting precious time and everything just because i didn't know how ramps work but yeah yeah that's how those work i mean dr kong 64 isn't the best racing game so well yeah it's it's just <laughs> the races uh, make you cry in Donkey Kong 64 they're awful but and you get links, and you get links with uh, speed characters by going to another rail, but you get links by going through dash rings. And, like, these, both of them are good ways to get shortcuts, and sort of with power, which I guess I'll go to right now, where you basically can take down any hazard on the stage, like, if it's just an object sticking out of the ground. And every now and then, you'll see, like, a wall that has, like, a breakable object that you can punch through. And punching through things gives you more air. And... Uh, yeah, I describe power as sort of like the beginner mode, yeah. because first of all, it just does deal with the obstacles, like you said, and then also there's no jumping at all required to play a power character. Yeah. Not that flying necessarily has that either, but sometimes for flying, like you said, you have to go off a half pipe, and then in that case, you do need a proper jump right. to usually get to those. Also, every every like obstacle type thing has like a indicator, like it says fly speed power buff, just like in Sonic Heroes, to kind of guide you to where you want to go, and... If you do the missions, they'll, like, reposition certain assets to make them easier to find as well, to create more links. Like, if you hit, if you hit like, objects with Knuckles in a certain tight succession, you'll get links with that. Yeah, there's also, there are some missions in the mission mode, like, for speed characters, where the entire level has rails yeah. on it, and that's just the whole mission. But that's how you get air. And you have a, if you press the B button, you do a little dash, but it consume a lot of air, so you have to be mindful on how you use your air, because sometimes you'll just run out. And once you run out, you basically start walking, or running rather, with your board in hand, so it's like, you kind of, you just, you just kind of feel defeated, like you're not having fun because you're not on the board, and... Well, actually, something I'd like to mention is that you run at a pretty reasonable speed. Yeah. It's not like, if you're going at full speed and you're running, you can actually, like, finish most races, even yeah, if you're off your board. Yeah, but it just doesn't like, yeah, feel nice. You, you want to be on a hoverboard, you know? Yeah, well, you also can't jump, and that's, like, the biggest yeah, problem. Yeah, but there's also, like, an R drift, and there's a, also, if you hit R and L together, you, like, create a tornado behind you to hurt people. Yeah. I don't know, actually, how you attack people. Like, sometimes I'll just, like, say later to someone, and then they just come up to me and punch me. I'm like, why? How? If you're, boost if you're boosting, you are in your attack animation. If you oh, boost into somebody. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When you have that aura that's around you, if your character has, like, a certain color, they'll glow that color when they're boosting. And then if you boost into an enemy like that, you'll deal damage to them. And every race has, like, item boxes on it. You can get rings and a boost or air or something. And I think you level up by getting enough air or something like that from, like, a container. You no, you level up every 30 rings. Okay. Yeah. And that's I think that's kind of like a, a gear change or something that lets you go faster. Yeah, it, it increases your boost capabilities. Well, it's specifically, it actually specifically based on, I think it's your character, it might also be your board, but it actually adjusts those stats that you see when you're selecting your character and your gear. Mm -hmm. Like, you actually get 
like access to better cornering and better like acceleration and stuff like that including okay it makes your boost just like faster and better yeah it also increases your maximum air if you get hit however uh in true sonic fashion you lose all your rings and that means you get set back to level one you can also get invincibility or speed up power-ups and i think you can get like bombs uh you can get the electric shield but it only lasts for a short amount of time and Usually, it, you can't really take advantage of it, because there just aren't enough rings close enough to the capsules. Yeah. That's interesting, because I find the opposite to be the case. Right. I think that you might not be moving fast enough to get to the rings. I So, here's something that I, I, I think I want to make clear up front at, at the top of this podcast. Uh, I am not good at this game. Are you saying at the top of the podcast, a quarter into the podcast? A quarter into the podcast, which is the top quarter of the podcast, so obviously. I am bad at this game, and a lot of the reason that I don't like the game is because I am bad at it, and that's my bias that I'm acknowledging right now. I mean, that's how I felt <laughs> when I first played this game, but when I played it when I got this game, and then I played it to prepare for this, I'm like, he's like, yeah, I don't really like this, but you play more of it, and you get it, and you're like, you actually have, you do get a lot of fun out of it. It's like, you really gotta build your skills, like, it's not, it's not like you could just pick up a Sonic game, it's, it's a bit more... Yeah complicated than that yeah well that's like part of it like that's why i say it's like important to know that this game is a future racer unlike the other sonic games because there are a yeah. lot more mechanics at play here and there's a lot more that you have to juggle and learn mm -hmm. and i think i think that's why as a as a kid i didn't like it uh as a sonic game because i didn't understand it like i couldn't figure out how to play it which has never happened before when playing a sonic game yeah even the games where they literally just don't explain important mechanics like how to get chaos emeralds <laughs> but like getting a chaos emerald is less a gameplay mechanic and more of like a like a level mechanic. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I'm missing anything else in the gameplay department, am I? Because I think I covered most of the bases with it. You didn't really explain how you do tricks. Oh which yeah. Is so when you go off of a rail and if you time your A press right, I think you did mention this. If you time an A press off of the rail and you hold it down for long enough, you'll get more time to do this. You mean ramp? But basically, yes. Sorry. I apologize for my sins. Anyway, if you jump off of a ramp right, you get access to the trick system, which is if you move the control stick in a different direction, your board will spin in that direction. And then if you do basically like a certain amount of degree changes, you activate like a move. So if you push to the right, so that you do like a 180, you'll do a move. And then if you push like down, you'll sort of do like a front flip and you'll do a different move. And if you combine those different things, you can get like a string of moves. And then when you hit the ground, as long as your board was like flat and facing forward, you'll get a rank based on how well you did. C rank is for when you screw up and then everything up through X rank exists. I think there's like eight different ranks you can get. You can get C, C, B, A, 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 S, 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 and X. Yeah, and depending on which one you get, you'll accelerate more off of the move. Like when you hit the ground, you'll accelerate more the higher your trick is and you'll also get more air. Yeah. Yeah, you can also lose speed if you mess up. Yeah. Did well, it's not that you lose speed, because you always hit the ground, like, flat on. Yeah. So if you get a C, you just don't get any acceleration, and you go at your, basically, you go at your normal acceleration. And, like, you can, I, sorry, you might, I might be repeating you, you can do more tricks faster when you hold A off the ramp, right, and when you move your control stick. Yeah, that's how yeah. it works. You also jump higher, yeah. which is important not just for giving you more time to do tricks, but also there are specific places in pretty much every level where you can just access a higher part of the level by doing mm -hmm. this, which is always something that you want to do. Yeah. yeah. This does follow the sonic rule of higher part of the level is better than lower part of the level. 
Yeah, it also just keeps you away from your rivals, which, yeah. in this case, it's pretty hard to get hit by somebody, but it is possible. Yeah, and it is not good. Yeah, it's very bad. And in PvP, like, if you're doing multiplayer, it's a lot easier to hit each other because the AI just doesn't think of doing that for some reason. Mm. Yeah. But in the regular game, in the single-player campaign, you'll usually not have to deal with people coming up behind you and hitting you. Yeah. So, I'm gonna go on another slight tangent, because this game actually kind of reminded me of a game I used to play as a kid. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Snowboard Kid series. Oh, I'm familiar. And it's just, it's, it is kind of just like a futuristic, I mean, it has boards, so obviously it's kind of like a futuristic boarding game. But like, you know, the, the segments where you do the control stick just remind me of going on a chairlift in that game. Yeah. And that's nice. I like the trick scheme specifically because it feels active in a way that's fun. That like I I feel like some of the Mario Kart games allow you to do tricks and the Sonic games as well. You just kind of hit a button and it's done. Yeah. I like this system because for one, it doesn't use a button, which I prefer because you're using the control stick to move around and control your board. So it makes sense that you would control your board in midair by using the control stick. And then it also feels like when you sort of like get it down the right way, it feels like you just get to have this break where you spin the control stick around for a little bit, but you don't have to do it as aggressively as you do for like the actual spinning segments. Yeah. And it feels really nice when you move it the right way to see all of those prompts show up with like the names of the tricks that you're doing and you see the glow of your board spinning around and all the air around you. And it then is, you hit the ground and you're just right back into racing. It is very cool to like get a huge string of, of tricks in a row and just watch this because it's not just that the names of the tricks show up, they show up like in different locations. Like they, they move down a chain and so like... You, you just are sort of covering more ground on your screen, like filling it with your tricks. Yeah, I also like this because we talked about how in Sonic CD, the intro sequence is very cool and it shows you some of the stuff that Sonic can do and then you're like, you, you have this thought that obviously you can't do any of that stuff in the game and you can't like throw a rocket Eggman, but you can do the peel out that Sonic does in that animation and that's really cool because it's a new kind of attack, or not attack, but like move that Sonic has. Yeah. And it's fun to see him do that in the animation and then be able to do that in the game. I think that this game's intro animation, which I believe is the first time we've had an animated intro, intro since Sonic Boom, right? CD. Yeah. Sonic Boom. Sonic CD. It's so well animated. I love it. Yeah. I, I yeah. did get a very, like, this is the 2005 version of Sonic CD. Like, what's cool in 2005 is exactly what is being depicted here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like extreme sports and the future. <laughs> extreme boarding in the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love the intro because it shows you a bunch of different things that you can do. Like, it shows Sonic, like, basically breakdancing on his board in midair, and you're like, oh, that's super cool, but there's no way you can do that in the game, right? And you just can. Yeah. Like, everything that he does in that intro sequence, you get to do in the game. You get to do those, like, jumps off of the high, like, areas. You get to do the boosts and stuff. You get to, like, drift the way they do. With, like, the... Basically, they put their, like, palm on the ground and slide along, and, like, that looks really cool, and that's just the animation that you do in the game, too. It's very cool to see all of this like crazy stuff animated super well and then just be able to do all of it once you get into the actual game. The the only thing about the intro is just that the music is not good. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the name of that song is. Is it Sonic Speed or is it Catch Me If You Can? No, Catch Me If You Can is the theme for the Babylon Rogues. Okay, is it Sonic Speed Riders? Probably. That sounds right. That's it's not it's not a great name and the song is not Yeah, it's, I don't think it's terrible, but it's not good. It's not like good Sonic music. It's just very yeah. like techno and it's it's know. no Sonic Boom. That's it's that's no fair. any other Sonic song. 
<laughs> I think that the opening songs for the next two games are much better. Yeah. What are the next two games? The other, the other, uh, the other writers' games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's Zero Gravity and then Free Riders. I'm trying to remember them, but I, I remember liking them a lot more. I, I remember Free. Ungravitify is the one for. Zero Gravity. I think so, Which yeah. is a terrible name for a song. But it fits the name of the game, I guess. But yeah, Free is a really good song. It's also a really good anime. Speaking of anime... I don't actually know what's going on that. <laughs> Speaking of anime, you, let's talk about the story. Yeah, I, you, you, you got it. You got it. It's pretty good. So this game has a story mode. It's pretty short. It's basically just like if you played the Grand Prix mode, but between each race, there's like dialogue. And also, you're allowed to retry things one after another. So you go through each level of the Grand Prix mode for this game, and you're racing against this team that is unique to this game. They're new characters. They're the Babylon Rogues, and it's Jet, Storm, and Wave. And they are bird people. <laughs> they are bird people from an ancient civilization that actually created the things that you use in this game that are called Extreme Gear. And the, the leader of the Babylon Rogues, Jet, is like kind of commissioned by Eggman to... I, I forget exactly what it is, but he basically wants them to, like, get all the Chaos Emeralds so that he can open a gate to treasure, and he tells them that he'll give them the treasure. Yeah, so it seems like Eggman's plan is basically to get Sonic to compete in a race, like in a racing cup, yeah. where the entry requirement is a Chaos Emerald, and the only way Sonic will do it is if, like, he basically gives Sonic a rival in the form of Jet the Hawk, and Sonic is just so outrageously attracted to competition that he doesn't resist. But, like, none of that adds up, really. Like, this is yeah. the most flimsy part of this game's plot, is, like, Eggman's idea of just, like, inviting everyone to a race and being like, whoever wins gets the Chaos Emerald. That's like, if everyone puts their Chaos Emeralds down for the race, why doesn't he just pick them up and leave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Eggman. That's a very... Like, he waits till the end of the race to pick him up. And leave, yeah. It's so weird. He's like, I guess Eggman just likes sports, too. I guess so. But yeah, the game, so that's like sort of the overarching plot, but the game opens in the hero story on the sequence where Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles are just kind of hanging out, and they're looking for a Chaos Emerald, and they they realize that it's like in this place called Future City, and they go to where it is, and then they realize that it's moving really fast, and then you see out of a skyscraper, Jet, Wave, and Storm just like shoot on their boards, and then drive past like Sonic, Tails, and knuckles and i believe knuckles punches storm right and that's how they get the board yeah yeah knuckles punches storm which is like their power equivalent They're, it's basically their knuckles like their big dumb guy and he is just as dumb as knuckles probably dumber yeah probably dumber yeah i'd say so but like less easily distracted that's true like knuckles is very gullible and storm is just like a really good like henchman Really good is debatable, given... Well, you know how Knuckles is, always wanting to guard his Master Emerald, but always getting sucked into Sonic's shenanigans. Yeah, well, specifically Eggman's shenanigans when he says, Hey, Sonic wants your Emerald, and Knuckles is like, Of course he does, every, like, you know, time he does it. The six times he does it. He's like, Bitch, does he? This time, Eggman literally said, Hey, everyone, I want your Emeralds, and everybody said, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have them. Everybody said, Okay. Everybody did. No one was like, I'm not falling for that. I, I always love how Emeralds just find a new context to, like, just someone, just, every, you just assume someone has them. They're not, like, in a desert or something. Yeah, and they kind of do. He's like, you have been chosen to be the next possessor of this Emerald. <laughs> but yeah, I like the sequence because after Sonic races after them, riding Storm's gear, he, like, 
catches up with Jet, and Jet obviously, like, roasts him and says, like, oh, you might be the fastest on the ground, but you can't fly. And then Sonic's like, oh, yeah? And Sonic actually, like, passes Jet, and you think to yourself, like, oh, my goodness, Sonic's the best. But then, like, he looks behind him, and Jet's not there, and then Jet comes out of the sky, like, slams into the ground and knocks Sonic off of his feet, and then they, like, all of the Babylon Rogues ride past. I, I really like this scene. Number one is a very, very strong introduction to Jet. Because there's, there's even a bit where, like, Jet is passing Sonic, like, before Sonic has his board, and Jet goes, oh, so you're supposed to be the fastest thing alive? And just immediately you're like, I hate this man in a way that I really love. Yeah, my favorite part about Jet is that I think he's the first character we've had in the Sonic series that is just a complete shithead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, it's a very effective show of power scaling, of like, yeah, Sonic's really fast, but here's these guys that are fast in a way that Sonic doesn't understand. Yeah. And so, now he has to spend this game trying to understand that kind of fast. What do you think of the Babylon Rogues, Charlie? I don't know, I'm just not a big fan of birds. <laughs> like, Wave looks great, Jet's okay, Babel, uh, Storm is just... I, I, I know you don't like hearing this statement, but Storm just looks like a bird version of Big, which is a bad combination. I actually think Wave is my least favorite visual design. Uh, but what? I think... But Hold I think, it. yeah, we need to save this part for four, for part four. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so the Babylon Rogues are there, and they're all right. They they seem like a bunch of assholes, and then they drive past Sonic, and that's when you find out that like the race is about to happen because Eggman just comes on like a TV screen, and he's like, "Bring your emeralds, have some fun, don't doubt me at all." Yeah. And then, as Isaiah put it, okay. Yeah, you can totally trust me, the guy who... Always betrays you at the end. Just a couple games ago, blew up half the moon. I mean, to be fair, are we really in that world anymore? It's tough to tell. Like, what future city? Why is there a future city? Where are we? What reality is this? There is a stage that, like, the pre-stage preview opens with the moon eclipsing the sun, and it's definitely a full moon. Yeah. So. Yep. It's a Sonic game. There's no continuity. Continuity. Every game is its own continuity. This is definitely not canon to itself or anything else. Oh, yeah, for sure. By the way, I just want to say I love how every stage has a cameo from the, of the Chow balloon from Sonic Heroes. Yeah, it's like the cameraman for the race. Yeah. Chow. But yeah, you, you open on the first stage, which is, as we discussed, Future City, and your goal is to beat Jet, which is weird because then the game opens on the mission and it just says, like, get in third or better. Yeah. And I like that it says get in third or better because it means that, like, even as a new player, you're given a little leniency on this. Oh, yeah. And it's actually incredibly easy in this game to get second place because of the turbulence mechanic that Charlie talked about. Basically, whoever is in first leaves behind them, like, a trail if they're going fast enough. And if you do tricks on that trail, you'll just be going twice as fast as, like, the max speed for most characters. But then if you beat that, like, the... The next sequence is everyone is at this, like, the area that you're about to race in, which is a waterfall with, like, a boardwalk on it. And then you meet, like, Wave more formally, and she, like, walks up the tails and looks at his board. And she seems, like, almost impressed, but then she laughs at him and, like, roasts him for not being a good mechanic. And then Tails gets really pissed about it. And I like this scene a lot because Tails hasn't been pissed in 3D Sonic before. 
Yeah. He like he like clearly has a spine in the sequence where he's like, "How dare you? I'm going to show you that I can make the best skateboard ever." I like the bit in this cutscene where she roasts his board, and then like four characters just like gasp on the yeah. screen. Yeah, Amy, Knuckles, and Sonic are all there, too. Everybody stands there mouth agape, and it's so, like... Like, I can't tell if I like it ironically or unironically. It's very memorable. I definitely like Angry Tails completely unironically, oh, because yeah, I feel yeah. like Tails has been spineless for, like, the past three years of Sonic, and, like, this is his moment where he's like, I'm capable of things, and you're, like, underestimating me. But then we also get Amy, like, growling and, like, shouting, ugh, that woman, or whatever she says. Yeah. <laughs> she gets mad about it. And you also notice that, like, there's this red dot on the board now, and I believe it's Sonic's board that he's holding. Yeah. And then you're, like, you're, the next race, the second mission that you have to do is beat Wave as Tails, and you have to get first this time. And it, like, feels nice to be sort of, like, shown that Wave is an asshole, and then your goal is to beat her. Oh, yeah. As Tails. Like, it, it motivates you to beat these people by making them really, like, upsetting. Yeah, and then you play as the characters that are, like, rivals to them, so it's, like, fun that you aren't just playing as Sonic the whole time. And then, like, if you win this race, you go on to the third one, which takes place in a factory, and you're playing as Knuckles this time, and the sequence here is that Knuckles sort of runs into Storm before the race, and, like, Storm's job here is just to beat up Knuckles, I guess? But they're kind of like messing around and a robot walks past and like Storm tries to hit Knuckles but he misses and punches the robot. And then like Knuckles tries to do the same thing but he also misses and punches the robot and the robot's head just gets ripped off. And they both apologize to the robot. Yes! And the robot just kind of stumbles up to the race. This sequence is like the most goofy because Knuckles and Storm are both just like joke characters basically at this point. Yeah, absolutely. But it still makes you like want to beat the shit out of Storm without actually punching him because you realize that you're unable to. <laughs> so you have to like win in first again and you like race to the factory and you win as Knuckles. And again, it feels good. And then the next race. I forgot what the. You're playing as Amy for this one, right? Am I incorrect? I blacked out completely. Do you play as Amy in the story mode? You just play as Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, then Tails again, then Sonic, and then Sonic. Oh, what is the race before the forest level? I completely forgot. Okay, so what happens when they're in the rainforest, after I've looked it up now, is that Tails is hanging out, like, watching Sonic do tricks. I believe Knuckles is there as well. Yeah. And Sonic is just doing some sick tricks off of a tree, and then he lands, and Tails is like, Wow, that was cool! I have a horrible voice actor! Yeah. And then you hear Jet the Hawk's voice from, like, the background in the trees, and he's like, You kinda suck, Sonic! And then Sonic... <laughs> Sonic looks behind him and he sees Jet in the trees, and then Jet basically tells him that he's gonna have to work as hard as possible to keep up, and that he can't anyway, because he's just a hedgehog. And then Tails gets kind of, like, angry and then a little bit sad, and he says, like, I'm sorry, Sonic, but Wave was right. She's just a way better mechanic than I am right now. And then he, like, resolves to work harder and, like, unlock the secrets of the Extreme Gear, which I don't know what secrets an air snowboard has, but Tails is gonna work damn hard to find them. Something that kind of bugs me about this scene is that nothing that Wave ever, ever does to let us know that she's, like, a very good mechanic. Well, like, you can imagine that she works on Jet the Hawk and Storm the Albatrosses. I don't know why I'm giving them their surnames now. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Like, I, I just wish it was established, like, more clearly, like, more early on. Well, their boards clearly work better, because they, like, do crazy stuff in the city, and, like, Tails can see that, you know? Yeah. Like, it's never directly stated until this scene that she was the one who worked on them. I mean, would you want a scene where she's in the garage, and she's like, These boards are turning out really great, guys! We're gonna smear that fox! 
We're gonna smear that fox. <laughs> like, it, I feel like that would be out of place, personally. I like the idea of the first scene where they show up and they, like, destroy Sonic. Like, as they're riding off, like, Wave is like, And I built these! And that's the end of the scene. <laughs> yeah, so terrible. <laughs> I helped! Awful. Just terrible. Yeah. Just so fucking bad. There's, there's not really an elegant way to do it, I'll admit. It just... I don't think this was the solution. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this game is written super well. I just like what's here. Yeah, the, the character interactions of the story are surprisingly very strong. They just, like, even though the voice acting sucks and some of the writing isn't great, like, just the way that, like, Jet makes you want to kill him, like, makes the game work. <laughs> and then Wave and Storm by extension as well. Yeah. But yeah, so you, you race his tails and you have to beat Wave again. And again, I like this because his tails, like, actually doing something for once in his goddamn life. And he, like, catches up with somebody, and he doesn't just tell them to wait up. Yeah. Like, he doesn't say wait up to, like, wave. He, like, runs in and, like, beats her in the race. And then we have the the last race of the Grand Prix, which is in the desert. And the, you have the sequence where Sonic walks up with Jet to put their Chaos Emeralds in Eggman's hand, basically. Yeah. On a table, but... Yeah, they put him on a cool table, but, like... Just in your mind's eye, envision them handing them to, like, just yeah. Space Hitler, basically. Like, you see all the Chaos Emeralds, like, on a table, and you're like, this is Eggman's table, right? Yep. It's just a bad idea. Like, Eggman put this table here. But, like, Jet looks at Sonic, and he basically just tells him to, like, get wrecked, and then Sonic says, I'm gonna beat you this time. And it's, like, this nice interaction... Where, like, it's not even... It is still condescending from Jet, but, like, it's interesting because this is the only time when Jet looks at Sonic, like, on level... Like, on a level field, both, like, symbolically and literally. Yeah. They are eye-to-eye -eye for the first time in the entire game, which is really cool. I feel like that's actually good a good setup for a cutscene, which is not usually the case in any Sonic game. Yeah, and it, and it feels, like, weirdly earned, too, because... Yeah. Sonic is destroyed in the initial cutscene and then spends the rest of the story being like, no, actually, I'm going to win the races. Yeah. The rivalry is really well built up. Yeah, and then it culminates in the sequence where they both, like, walk up these stairs, put their chaos emeralds down, look eye to eye, and then you race. And then if you win the race of Sonic, you get to go to the next cutscene where you see that the Babylon rogues have this, like, cube that glows and is blue. And you see it a couple of times in this story. It's, it's expanded more upon in their story. But Eggman just kind of grabs it and, like, opens the door to the Sky Fortress. There's this giant floating city that you unlock when you have this rock that hasn't existed before, combined with these seven other rocks that have been around since the first Sonic game. Yeah, but don't forget, this specific rock is shaped differently. Yeah, it's like a cube. It's, it's really weird. Again, it's another, like, bad writing point that they kind of just stick in their, like, fan character of a rock to the Chaos Emeralds. There's kind of no point to include the Chaos Emeralds in this story. Other than that they need, like, a thing for you to race for. Yeah. It's a Sonic game. But yeah, apparently when you combine the power of all of these eight rocks, one that looks different from the others, you open the ancient city that the Babylon Rogues come from. And this part, I think, is cool. I love that they have, like, an ancient bird city in the sky. Yeah. Like, that's dope. It reminds me of, sort of, like, the Archie Comics version of Angel Island. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go up there and you race on this, like, colossal stone structure that has, like, a lot of neat carpet-looking designs on stuff. And there's a bunch of tornadoes and a bunch of ancient, like, technology and stuff. And, like, the extreme gears are implied to be ancient technology. Which is interesting because the place that you find them in is called Future City. Very weird. Very conflicting messages. But basically, you, like, face off against the Babylon rogues one more time because you're trying to stop Eggman from getting whatever treasure is hidden in this giant ancient palace place. And if you win the race, you, like, get to see the final cutscene of the, of the hero story mode, which is, like, Sonic 
knocking over Eggman, who is carrying Amy. Yeah, like, as a hostage. Yeah, and, like, Sonic still just, like, kind of tries to kill Eggman while Amy's in her hands, and Amy hits the ground after flying into the air from a tornado that Sonic made. And then she just gets really mad at him. I, th I thought you were gonna say Sonic Sonic tries to kill Amy. I mean, it's almost implied. Something something you didn't mention that I think is actually really important, which is that the cutscene at the end of the finals of the tournament actually starts before the race actually ends. Instead of crossing the finish line right before you cross the finish line, the cutscene starts, and it's of Jet and Sonic being neck and neck, and Sonic is about to win, but wave planted basically an explosive on his board and detonates it and that throws him off so jet wins yeah the tails didn't check by the way yeah tails is like i've been checking out this board it didn't notice the explosive that we placed on it that has a red light on it yeah but then once you race in the in the babylon uh city is that what's it called babylon sky babylon i think is what's called sky babylon yeah right before sonic takes out eggman or maybe it's right after jet basically gives sonic the key the cube stone because he's like you won this because you beat me and sonic's like nah you can have it and jet like is mad about it yeah because he didn't win it fair and square yeah Jet is so fueled by rivalry at this point that the thing that he wants to have, which is being in this location at this time, isn't worth literally losing to Sonic the Hedgehog. Right, and then, like, Wave bumps into him and she says, like, shut up and take the key, you jackass. Yeah. It's time to get the treasure. And, like, that kind of paints the different variations of assholes that they are. Yeah. Because, like, Wave is just goal-oriented in a way that's, like cold and unfeeling, whereas, like, Jet is hot-headed, but still an asshole. Yeah, Jet is goal-oriented in his hot-headedness. Yeah. And then Storm is just their liking. Yeah. Storm is just dumb. Yeah, Storm's just dumb. And then that's the end of the hero mode. But basically, it, like, closes out on Amy chasing Sonic in a circle. Which is funny, because abuse or whatever. Yeah. And then we move on to the Babylon story, which you unlock directly after this. And basically, you do, like, the same kind of races over again, but they're in these sort of like different variations of the stages for example the first stage you're racing through a city during the daytime during like rush hour yeah and in the babylon version of the stage you're racing through that city at nighttime and there's like a police chase going on with apparently every single police car in the entire force because there's like <laughs> 27 of them it's a gta <laughs> yeah you got the five star uh crime rate <laughs> these stages are all like the night versions of of the original stages right like they're all at night untrue there are two that are at night okay well, the one I, I specifically remember, the sand stage... Did I say this on the podcast or in between? You acknowledged that it starts with an eclipse, but you didn't say anything else about the stage. Yeah, that's the bit that, like, sticks out in my brain, is that it starts with an eclipse, and that's really cool. Which means, fun fact, that means it's still not nighttime, it's just an eclipse. Yeah, I guess, I guess that means it is daytime, by definition. So there's only one nighttime stage? Because the second stage takes place at sunset on the same, like sort of like boardwalk thing that goes over this river and then the third one is the factory that you're in but the factory is kind of like a fire level in the first iteration and it's an ice level in the second iteration the, the entire factory is frozen over and there's actually ice on the ground that you can like sort of slip on the fourth stage is kind of just like the same forest again it doesn't really look aesthetically much different but you go through like sort of different paths and stuff like that and then the fifth one, like Isaiah talked about, an eclipse opens and the whole desert goes dark and you fly through this like ancient alien-ass pyramid area where you can like defy gravity and stuff like that. Can I just say, I love this stage a lot more than the original version. 
I like both. I think that the original version has to exist for the second version to look as cool as it does. Oh, yeah. A big problem I have with the original stage, and it's that stage is predominantly the reason why I hate the turbulence mechanic, which is just because turbulence it takes away your control over where you're going in the race, and that's critically important in that stage because all shortcuts are inaccessible if turbulence is there, and turbulence is always there. So another pro tip, tur turbulence does sort of exist on set paths for the most part, and you kind of have to follow them if you're in it, but you can get out of turbulence by just hitting L and R at the same time. Oh, I did not know that. That would have been yeah. very, very, very nice to know. Yep. Cool. It's a game that you have to learn in. Apparently, I gotta friggin' look up game facts tips. I feel that this is the one sort of control thing in this game that is not intuitive. Yeah. Hitting L and R at the same time while on turbulence, it doesn't quite work. I think that if you just hit L or R, it should have worked just fine. Because I'm sure you tried that at some point. Yeah, and I do know that if you're drifting and you collide with the turbulence, you don't go into it. So it would make sense that hitting the drift button would take you out of it. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. But yeah, if you hit both L and R, you can't get out of turbulence. So there is a way, it's just not told to you right away. That improves the experience. Yeah. Or at least it would, I imagine. I mean, I don't use it too much. But here's the thing. If you're in first, you don't need to use turbulence anyway. That's true. Guess who's bad at the game? It's me. Yeah, but like, you can't blame that on turbulence, though. Turbulence is often beneficial, but it's also often very annoying for me. The only time I find it annoying is in the Sky Babylon level, because there are points where the turbulence will actually shoot you off of the level. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Yeah. Because Sky Babylon is kind of like the only level that has a lot of easy-to-fall-off tracks. Yeah. I think there's points where you can do it in, like, the factory level and stuff like that, but it's not on, like, sort of these hairpin turns the way it is in Sky Babylon. So I, I, I do think that, like, that's probably one of the worst things control-wise is that getting out of turbulence feels weird, and turbulence also doesn't always work right. Yeah. Where were we at in the story? I think we were just describing the levels, right? Yeah. 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 We haven't started the Babylon story quite yet. Yeah, the Babylon story opens a little earlier than the hero team story opens, where you basically see the sort of a plan that Eggman makes with Jet, Wave, and Storm, and you also get to see a picture of who is presumably Jet's dad. <laughs> yeah. And we find out later that his name is Stolen, which is a great name. <laughs> I did not get to the point to find out that his name was Stolen. Yeah, his name is Stolen. And it's kind of weird because, like, at one point they just say his name without acknowledging that he's a person. And you're like, Stolen? Who stole what? And then it's like, <laughs> oh, that's my dad. What? My dad's Stolen. So anyway, we have the first canon dad in Sonic history. Well, before this we had Uncle Chuck. That's not a dad. That's true. Also, that's not canon to Sonic. That's canon to the Archie comics. Well, fine. So again, I reiterate my point. The first canon Sonic dad. Uncle Chuck was in Sonic Saddam. That is not... That's still the comic universe. We've explained this. Or was it Sonic Underground? I don't know. Neither of those are the games. But I digress. Are we done? Are we done here? Yeah, yeah. Also, Uncle Chuck is still not a dad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you do meet Sonic's pants in the comics. Okay, so when you play the Sky Babylon story... A lot of it is just racing the characters again, but you get a slightly different perspective. For example, when you're doing the second level, in Wave's head, you hear her say, like, wow, Tails is actually a good mechanic. But she thinks that to herself and just roasts him outside of her head, obviously. But it sort of paints this picture of, like, the Babylon Rogue kind of being impressed by Sonic and, like, realizing that they have to do things to stop him besides just, like, race. So that's kind of cool. And then you get to the end, and their story actually just lasts longer than the Sonic team. So you find, like, after they grab the sort of box that has the secrets of the Babylon rogues in it. Oh, actually, there's one scene that's kind of different. In the intro to the pyramid race, the, the like, desert level race, 
you realize that like the the Babylon rogues kind of find out that Eggman is trying to dupe them and they like are aware so you find out that they're kind of more competent than they might seem yeah but they decide to go along with it anyway because they think that like he might know something they don't about the treasure and it'll be easier for them to get to it if they have his help so they kind of have this like almost double agent thing going on and i think that like while that again is not written as well as it could be i think it's kind of interesting to see that they aren't like just a bunch of dumb birds that follow eggman's instructions they're not just dicks right they they do have like goals and ideas that they want yeah. And you also see that Wave kind of has to convince Jet that the treasure is worth it, because he's just like, he just wants to go places, I think? Yeah, he wants money. The treasure, they find out, is really powerful technology that could take over the world, and he doesn't right. care about that until she's like, we could sell it. <laughs> well, and she also, it seems like she's sort of the secret leader of their group. Yeah. And that's kind of neat. That's a neat dynamic they have. Behind every man is a greater woman. Who is a purple bird. Yes. Behind every purple bird is a tail. <laughs> Presumably. And then Tails just comes out ahead, the character. Storm is gaining momentum. So when you beat the. God, I wish I could gain momentum right now. <laughs> so when you beat the Babylon Rogues, like, last area in the Sky Babylon, their version of Sky Babylon, which actually, I think it's the one that looks just the most similar to its original level. It's just like a slightly different path. Yeah. But you beat their last level, and then you see the same sort of cutscene where Jet grabs the rock from Sonic. And then they open the door, and they walk into it, and it's like closing, and Sonic and Knuckles decide that they're gonna go in after them to see what the treasure's all about. And then Tails is like, wait up, Sonic, and I just have to, like, I have to give up again. <laughs> you were so close. Tails saying wait up to anybody is just like the last thing I ever want to hear, and it always causes me this deep emotional pain. But he does go after them, and he makes it, so that's good. And then you race against a giant genie. Yeah, I didn't get this far this time, but as a kid I was like, this is kind of interesting. It's pretty weird. You go into like this sort of like weird dimensional space, and then a giant bird genie comes out, and he's like, you're greedy, and you don't deserve the magic power of your ancestors. And he's he is a giant bird genie. He has a beak. It's very... I like his design. I like the idea of a bird genie. And if you beat him, this treasure chest comes out of nowhere. Eggman walks up behind you on his bicycle. <laughs> and apparently he's got, like, a gun to everybody's head or something, because they all, like, listen to him. And he opens the treasure chest, and it's just a carpet in there. And he picks up the carpet, and he, like, smells it and rubs it against his face, and he's like, amazing, technology. <laughs> and then he gets mad about it and throws it on the ground. And I don't know why he, like, he clearly understands that it's amazing technology. But then he decides that it's not as amazing as he wanted, and he just, like, bounces. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> Fantastic. There is there's one more scene after this where Sonic and Jet and everybody else on their teams are, like, out away from Sky Babylon. Back in the desert, it seems. And they decide to go their separate ways, but Jet says that he's going to be better than he was last time, and they're going to race Sonic again. And then you get to the sequence where, like, they shoot off on their boards, and then they sort of, like, cross paths in midair, going separate directions to make this, like, giant Neon X-type situation. Oh, yeah, the uh, Sonic Adventure 2 intro. Yeah, basically. But not as boring, because we know who Jet is, and we don't know who Shadow is at that point. Yeah. And, like, we want we want to see Jet get better, because we know that he's not as much of a shithead anymore, because he got put in his place. Yeah. I just... Also... I'm just imagining Eggman... Like taking the carpet out of the out of the box, and he's like, "Finally, a new rug for my living room." <laughs> and then he just drives away on his weird bicycle. That's what it was all about. It was about the redecoration. 
but yeah, when you beat the game, you unlock that carpet as a gear that you can ride, which is cool, because it gives you the sort of reward that they got. I always hate in video games where the whole point of the game is to get a treasure at the end, and then you don't get the treasure at the end. Yeah. But this game gives you that treasure, and it's like a cool, like, flying carpet. It is the extreme, it's the first extreme gear. It's like a prototype, and it's explained that that's because sort of like the ancestors to the Babylon rogues are all birds, but they wanted to be able to fly without using their wings, because obviously that's tiresome. <laughs> so they made this flying carpet. And also, like, you learn that they're actually the descendants of genies, and that the guy you beat is probably their ancestor. Yeah. So there's, like, a lot of weird lore to the Babylon rogues. That is weirdly a lot of lore. Oh yeah, they also have a giant, like, pirate ship that they fly in. I forgot to mention that part. <laughs> Sonic games, this holds true for this game. They are nothing if not just like a lot of ideas slammed together. Yeah, I do think though, would you guys agree with me that the Babylon rogues feel more in place than the black aliens from S Shadow the Hedgehog? Yes. Yes. One thousand percent. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think a problem with the Shadow the Hedgehog in general is just it's realistic setting. That's true. I think it does hurt it. Like the black aliens are just part of a larger problem. Yeah, they're a symptom. I do think that, like, because the Babylon Rogues are, for one, animals, but, like, for two, they, they feel like Sonic characters, kind of? Yeah, for sure. And partially because they all have goofy voices. Well, yeah, they're not a three-eyed dark monster. <laughs> they also, like, are aggressive towards Sonic, which always helps. Like, that's what helped Shadow in his first debut, was, like, he's aggressive towards Sonic, and that always makes a character feel in place. Yeah. I like it when Shadow's aggressive. True. The aliens, though, like, aren't rivals with anybody, like... Black Doom only gets mad when you disobey him, which is a weird thing anyway. And then the aliens just kind of kill people, like, without explanation. Yeah. I guess that's the other thing about the Babylon Rogues. They have a clear goal. Yeah, absolutely. And that helps solidify the plot. I also, like, do you guys like the lore of them being, like, genies and them having the sky that they came, like, the sky... I don't want to call it a sky sanctuary because that's a different zone. I would definitely read a comic book about Sonic Riders. Dude, the Archie comics get there. <laughs> I, I bet they do. So yeah, I, I like this this city that they live in that we get this glimpse of and you get to ride around in it, but you don't really get to know too much for it to be weird. But it is weird that this lore is in an extreme sports game. Yeah, but they kind of tie it back together with the idea of a flying carpet. Like, as soon as I say flying carpet, I'm just back in it again. Yeah, like, it does make sense that the flying carpet was the first extreme gear. Like, that just sells me on it. It's like, these things feel separate, and then you see the flying carpet, and you're like, oh my god, they're right. Flying carpets, they were the first skateboard, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. God, it's so, it's so weird, but it works? Yeah, so like, we're not gonna do two episodes on this game, but I wanted to know, thumbs up, thumbs down, the plot, not the writing, the writing's obviously bad, but the plot of Sonic Riders. I, I guess, yeah, the plot gets a thumbs up, ignore the writing. Yeah, I guess it's alright, I'll give it a thumbs up. I think this is like the, the weirdest ratio of like best character interactions and best plot, but worst writing. Yeah, it is really weird that like the characters still do what they need to despite having like not good voice acting or writing. Yeah. I do like Jet's voice actor though, despite him being obviously the worst. Well, I think him being the worst also makes him the best because he's right. got this like really obnoxious voice. Yeah, this like screechy, gross, high-pitched voice. But it's like, it's a mean voice and it says mean things, so it works. <laughs> it's the perfect voice to roast Sonic with. Yeah. He sounds like a like a preteen Professor Oak. <laughs> you were close. Yo, man, you were close. 
Yeah, just imagine Jet the Hawk saying you were close and you totally, yeah. You weren't even close. <laughs> Welcome back, asshole. <laughs> you weren't even close is so good. Thank you. So the next thing we wanted to talk about before we get to sort of like the the here and there of this game is the character designs. And I personally love all of the new character designs in this game. Each character gets redesigned a little bit. All of the models are adjusted to sort of like fit this game style, which is to say that everyone's arms are a little longer and they have bigger hands because the boards are kind of huge and if they had small hands it might look weird at the beginning. I think all of the reasons that the models are adjusted the way they are is for the like the first sequence of every race yeah. where you're like running and getting onto the board. Yeah. After that there's so many effects and like blurring and stuff like that going on that it's kind of hard to tell once you get the race started. Uh-huh. Honestly, even in cutscenes, you don't even really notice that the proportions have been changed because they're changed in a way that is like that works really well. Yeah, and it's a board-wide change. Everyone yeah. has the same proportions. It's not like I mean, you know, Sonic Sonic Boom has character design changes, and controversial they were at the time. Something they did do is that everybody sort of had a different body shape. Yes. And that might be why they stood out so much. I think it's more interesting, but it also makes it more obvious that it's a design whereas in this game they're all changed in the same way so it's uniform so it like doesn't quite feel like they've been redesigned so much as like they're wearing different clothes and also they're taller <laughs> that's the other thing is that everyone gets like new kind of outfits but the problem is that male sonic characters don't have outfits so really what happens is they just get sunglasses and some new shoes they do have new shoes yeah i kind of wish they gave knuckles his sunglasses from sonic adventure 2 though yeah, yeah. That, that would have been very cool. And, like, the necklace. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. he's not going to go underwater. No, but <laughs> he can still wear a necklace. Sure, Isaiah. <laughs> I like how everyone has different glasses in this game, kind of. Well, Cream, like, has a visor. Like, she's about to go golfing. That is very in character for Cream, though. Go Going golfing? Yeah. Like, the privileged white girl she is? I'm sorry. She, the way that she's privileged is in that she has parents, or at least one parent. Also, her mom's been kidnapped, like, twice, so I don't even know about that. Are you just, like, putting that out there? <laughs> just, just adding that. She has one parent who has been in danger upwards of one time. I mean, everyone in Sonic has been kidnapped, right? Yeah. Yeah, except for Sonic. Well, he's been arrested. No, Sonic's been kidnapped. Everyone, all the girls look like they're about to go for a jog, honestly. <laughs> Amy's got the hot pants on. Rouge's got the hot pants on. <laughs> it's a, it's athletic gear. I like how Eggman designed robots for this, and they just give he just gives them sideways baseball caps. Dude, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, Eggman looks like freaking Porco Rosso. It's the Sonic heroes in Shadow the Hedgehog badniks, but they're wearing sideways baseball caps. <laughs> and they're also E1 like E1 series robots. Oh yeah. Is there E? They're E ten thousand or E ten K. E ten thousand G and R. Oh boy. And Y. There's also an E ten thousand Y, but you don't unlock it. Wasn't well, the Y ones just like they're on the track and in the Eggman factory? Yeah. Really divorced from the original E series. It's more like an E franchise at this point. Shut up. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Whoa. So, so Steven, you pointed this out earlier before we recorded the podcast, which is that Amy has her athletic gear on, and then when she gets eliminated from the race later in the story, she's just wearing her normal clothes in later cutscenes. Yeah. That is a very nice detail. I realized something. Yeah. 
So there's a cutscene earlier on where Amy is still in the race, and she's hanging out with Sonic and Knuckles, and she's doing the same sort of thing where she's more flirtatious with Sonic than she is, like, being aggressive and weird about it. So, like, Sonic doesn't act grossed out, he just says, like, pass, basically. Yeah. And it feels more fun, and it reminds me of, like, the Sonic Adventure DX days. But later on, Amy, like, changes out of her athletic gear back into her regular dress, and then that's when she becomes the worst again. <laughs> it's the dress! Yeah, I was gonna say, do you think Amy's dress is possessing her and making her the worst? Amy's dress is cursed. Her dress is like, shave it! <laughs> <laughs> we need to write a game theory about this. Anyway, yeah, I, I like how everyone has different glasses. Like, Tails gets these goggles, whereas Knuckles and uh, Sonic have sunglasses. And then Wave, the swallow, the, like, mechanic for the Babylon rogues, she has, like, these... What I don't know how to describe them. They're, like, big frame... There, there are no frames. They're big, frameless, circular glasses. Yeah. Is there a term for this? I don't do glasses. I don't know the words. Uh, I also do not know. I don't. I do do glasses, but only the glasses that I am wearing, which those are not. So she does have, like, a unique pair of glasses that look cool. They have these, like, almost, like, big circular plates, but they're very thin, and they're tinted. Everyone's glasses are tinted. Yeah. And Jet the Hawk has Digimon-ass goggles, like, just the most <laughs> Digimon goggles, and it's really cool because he actually wears them during the race, which yeah. I don't think most other characters do. I'm pretty sure he's the only character who wears them, like, actively during the race. Like, you see him out of his goggles in most of the cutscenes and stuff, but when you open up a race, when it pans in to show you, like, the lineup of characters, you'll see him with his goggles on, he kind of, like, rubs his hair back and then gets ready to race. I like it a lot. Yeah. It's a good bit, because, number one, he takes racing very seriously, and number two, the accessories are not just for show. Yeah. Which, in Digimon, they are. <laughs> and also, for every other character, they are. Yeah, well, I think that, like... I think that Swave wears her glasses during a race, but I'm not sure. I think she does too. I thought I think I remember that. I know this isn't really like a, a design thing, but I wanted to mention it that this game has like three unlockable characters that aren't Sonic characters. Yeah. And it's just kind of cool to see them in the Sonic Rider style, like for artwork. Yeah, like Ulala looks really cool in this game. Ulala especially. I I is just I I, and Knights is Knights. For the uninitiated, I I is the guy from Super Monkey Ball. Or Monkey Ball in general, I guess. But the I wanted to ask you guys who your favorite redesign is for this game. It's probably Rouge. Maybe Amy. It's probably Amy, I think. Yeah, you mentioned Rouge's hot pants. She has these like just these like long black pants that have like this neat white flower design. They look really simplistic as opposed to a regular outfit. Hibiscus. Yeah. I'm gonna quickly look through the characters again, just real quick to, to like remind me. And Rouge is also wearing, like, a sports bra, which is a little questionable. But it looks a lot more calm than her regular outfit, which is very bombastic and intense. Yeah. Shadow also looks nice, and Eggman, but I don't really like Eggman. Shadow just has, like, frameless sunglasses. And he has laces. Yeah, and laces. Everyone's shoes look better, that's true. Yeah, I think maybe... Yeah, it's definitely Amy has the best redesign. I like Amy's redesign a lot. I think that, like, the glasses add a bunch for Sonic and Knuckles and Shadow, though. Yeah, definitely. I think Tails looks more like a dork, and that's fine. Because he is a dork. Yes, he is a dork. <laughs> like, it makes sense. But I think, like, Shadow looks so much cooler with sunglasses. It's incredible how, like, practical the designs are. Yeah, they just make sense. Yeah. Those tiny sunglasses won't fit their giant eyes. <laughs> that's why Amy just doesn't wear them. She knows the truth. Amy's like, you guys are wasting your time. <laughs> I'm wearing sweatpants. Eggman's the only one wearing glasses that could actually fit over his face. 
Eggman has a scarf. Who's your guy's favorite character? <laughs> to play as, not redesign. Oh, as. to play as. Uh, yeah. Amy or Knuckles. I mean, Amy, Knuckles, and Rouge are just kind of the and Shadow are just kind of characters I play as. I don't really have any specifics. I just like. Yeah, I'm I'm very partial to the fly type characters. <laughs> I always play as either Jet or Shadow. I like playing as Shadow just because you don't get to do that in games anymore. That's true. <laughs> well, there was uh, that one... God, what was its name? Uh, it was the one where you play as Shadow all the time, and there are different uh, routes, and the story is really gritty. Uh, Shadow the Hedgehog that, was the name as of I, it. That game came before this game. The phrase <laughs> anymore is operative in my statement. All right. Kill my bit. I will. I just right. did. So, there's a bunch of different game modes in this game. There's actually a lot of different game modes. I, I was sort of struck by how much both single-player content and multiplayer content this game has. Yeah, dude. It's a big-ass game. There's a story mode, which is kind of necessary in order to unlock, I think, over half of the courses. There's also, you can do just a, just a regular race with one to four people. You can do a Grand Prix, which you just choose one of the two sets of levels to do. And it's, it's just, you know, it's just a Grand Prix in, like, Mario Kart and stuff like that. It'll be a Grand Prix. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and just like in, in every other racing game, Grand Prix stuff, you can also do two players, which is always nice. There's also Time Attack, pretty, pretty standard fare. But in addition to that, there's a tag mode, which I don't fully understand, because I never played it as a kid, and I didn't get a chance to play it this week. It says, partner up with another player and share air as you compete in a race. Yeah, it's like a team mode. It's very much so a multiplayer-only thing. Oh, this was the one where if you get too far away from your ally, you'll get zapped, right? I don't remember that part of it, but I know that it's like a thing that sort of seems to try and emulate the Mario Kart Double Dash situation where it's like fun to race as a team, and it is. Yeah, there's also two sets of survival modes. One is a race stage where somebody has to basically collect a Chaos Emerald that's on the screen and then go through specific checkpoints. And you can take the Emerald from them by hitting them. And so it's it's basically like a race, but the goal is constantly moving. And then you have battle stages where it's more about boosting into people to hit them that enough that their HP goes down. Yeah, you also got items and stuff. Yeah, there's there's items and there are specific stages, like stages built specifically for this mode. And thank god, because they would not work on the regular stages. Oh yeah, absolutely not. And then finally, and this is, this is just single player content, but this is where I think most of the single player content really comes from, which is mission mode, where there are three different sections of missions, one for each Babylonian character, and then there's, are there just five per stage? There are five per stage, yeah. Yeah, you start out with three per stage, and once you clear those, you get two more. And those those can get very, very hard, at least to, to ace. Yeah, they're really easy to beat with a bronze, but this game has the Sonic Adventure 2 situation, where there's a reward for getting a basically a perfect score on all of the missions, but you have to get a perfect score on all of them to get like the last reward. Yeah. Maybe it's just that I'm very bad at this game, but it seems to me like it's much, much harder to get these gold than it is to get an A in Sonic Adventure 2. I got a single gold medal, and I only did like some of the, like half the storm missions. So I'm gonna have to let you guys know. Yeah. Isaiah, you've played this game for maybe max 20 hours, and you've probably played Sonic Adventure 2 for at least 20,000 hours. In my entire life, I've probably played this game for at least 100 hours. I Sonic Riders? Yeah. Because I had this no game as a kid, and even though I didn't like it, it was 
I had friends, and I really wanted to keep them. I played this game for like eight hours, I think. Because it was six when I logged in, I spent like two hours playing the mission mode, I think. Anyway, you played Sonic Adventure 2 for far more time than you played Sonic Riders. That's definitely the case. And as a kid, I definitely struggled to get A ranks. Yeah, so I think that like, you're just not as good at this game as you are at Sonic Adventure 2. Get on my level, Isaiah. <laughs> I think it's very easy to beat every mission with a bronze. And it is challenging to beat them with gold, but it's not impossible. Except for one mission. There's one mission where it's impossible to get gold. Like an infamous mission. I mean infamous among the two people you know that like this game. Yes. Yeah. That's infamous enough for me. Oh, I thought you meant like, I thought you meant you were comparing it to a mission in the game, infamous. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a good bit too, though. No, but for the most part, the missions are pretty good at like teaching you how to play the game, like in a skilled way. Yeah, that's something that I find very interesting about them is that I played the first couple of missions and I was like, after this, I know how to play the game better than I did. Was this secretly a fun tutorial? Yeah, that's how it should be too. I think that's it's great when the games that I think do this the best are puzzle games where they'll have just like five different single player modes that each teach you a different aspect of the game. Yeah. And I think the mission mode is five different kinds of missions that teach you the different aspects of the game because the first one is a mission where you have to do good tricks to get scores. So it encourages you to learn how to do tricks, obviously, and it teaches you how to focus on, like, where you can get tricks done at. And then the second mission is a thing where you get to find treasure, which in and of itself is a sort of unique mechanic to the mission mode that I'm not going to go into too much because it's not that important. But it teaches you how to, like, search for specific items and kind of, like, reach important points. And it teaches you how to route the level. And then you've got the third mission, which is... It's typically just, like, a race, but it's got, like, a unique idea behind it. So frequently it'll be, like, you'll play as a power character and you have to hit specific points. But it's also just, like, be fast, you know? And then the last two are sort of, like, variables, but the fifth one tends to be where you'll get a treasure piece, which is another part of this sort of, like, unique mechanic where you can basically build four different gears in this mode, and they each have, like, exceptional abilities. But yeah, there's a bunch of this neat little, like, tutorialization that's wrapped up in the mission mode really cleanly. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about unlocks now? Yeah. Okay. So like we mentioned before, this game has unlockable characters, and a lot of those you unlock by beating the story mode, or beating the various Grand Prix, and you also unlock the three characters that Charlie was talking about, Knights, Ulala, and Ai, by finishing every mission. It doesn't matter whether or not you get a gold rank. But there's also, in this game, you can unlock different vehicles to use. They call them Gears. Extreme Gears. I think there's like 50 in the game? About? There are, I'm looking at it right now, 54. Okay. But there's, but I wouldn't really count most of like the character-specific ones, because you get those by just unlocking the characters, then right? that'd be less than 50. Yeah, because there's, what, a dozen characters? But the bots don't have unique ones. There's like, it's like 46 roughly unlockable gears in this game. And there's a bunch of different ways to get them. Like, you, like we talked about, you get the carpet from beating the story mode, and you can get a set of four gears from doing various missions. And then you can also, if you get gold rank on every single mission, you unlock an extreme gear that is just the seven Chaos Emeralds, and it turns Sonic Super. So Super Sonic is like a secret playable character in this game. And then you can also just use the rings that you get during any race in any mode to buy gears from a black market chow garden type thing yeah it's it's pretty similar to the to the chow garden black market this game gives you a bunch of different new designs for everybody but it also gives you a new design for the black market chow guy like he has cool like goggles and like 
a bandana, I think. And he also just has, like, his shop is decked out in, like, sports gear as opposed to, like, chow stuff for this mode. But basically, it just makes getting 100 rings every mission, because that's a cap you can get in uh, a mission or a race or anything like that. The cap is 100. And it makes getting that feel good, even though there's not really a point in collecting rings after 60 in terms of gameplay. Yeah. I kind of wish you could get more than 100 rings. Or at the very least, like, once you're at the cap, the uh, capsules that contain rings, when you collect them, they just give you air instead. That'd be nice. Yeah, there's this weird sort of, like, management situation where you have to decide whether or not you want to get a certain amount of rings before a certain point. It does refill your air meter whenever you level up, so that's important to like keep in mind when you're racing. This freaking black market child looks like he works in a meth lab. Yep, or at a ski resort, which, you know. Yeah, I don't know, his uh, his whereabouts are a bit sketchy. <laughs> Where, is... Where is he? He's just... he's like in a... He looks like he's in a trailer or something. I interpreted it as a garage. You think the dude in the actual, like, locker is more legit? I mean, he just wears, like, dark specs. Like, he, he's a... he looks shifty. But it doesn't look like he runs a drug ring. Charlie, he's stuffed into a locker at the kindergarten selling you fruits that make you stronger. He's like doping your child for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a legitimate business, I swear. He's literally selling you, like, not yet born chow. Yeah, and performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> and cute little hats. <laughs> Whereas this guy just sells you, like, gear. Like, I think he's working out of a garage. That was my interpretation. I could be wrong. But yeah, I like this game a lot. I think that unlocking the various gear feels fun, especially since some of them have, like, lore to them, like the magic carpet and stuff like that. And you can also, there's a gear that you can unlock through the mission mode that's called, like, Legend. And it just feels ancient and cool. And what that does is whenever you go off of a ramp, it automatically makes you jump as high as possible. Oh, snap. Yeah, and you can just do dope tricks all night. Very good. What do you guys think of Sonic Riders? This probably won't surprise people because I've been pretty upfront about it, but I, I personally up. give it a thumbs down. Isaiah's a thumbs up. I, I think probably... He's learned the true meaning of skateboard Christmas, and it's a thumbs up. It's probably a good game, but it's a game that I just can't enjoy. You, How would you describe your uh, like relationship with racing games, period? I mean, I think... I don't know. That's, that's, that's too... Too open-ended of a question for me not to think critically about it before answering. Alright, Isaiah, think for a minute. Charlie, thumbs up, thumbs down, Sonic Riders. I feel like you're more the rogue element in this situation. I'd give it a thumbs up. Like I said, it takes a bit to get into it. Yeah, I'm definitely a thumbs up. I've loved this game since I first played it, and I've owned it twice, and I'm happy to own it again. Yeah, I think I think for me, because I'm not huge on racing games from the start, because it is sort of an uphill climb at the start, like, you, you need to sort of get invested into it before you can really appreciate it, and that's not something that I can really do with this genre. Yeah, I think that was kind of my interpretation that I got, was that because you're not as into, like, complex racing games, like, you obviously like Mario Kart, but I think that's a lot more of a multiplayer experience for you. Yeah. That, like, this game is hard to sort of parse because of how dense it is mechanically. Yeah. And I think that's by design. Like, for every mechanic that there is, there's also an aesthetic effect when you use it well. Oh, yeah. So this game, when you're playing it, Everything on the screen is just like telling you that you're doing awesome and you feel like you're moving really fast and everything is getting layered on top of other stuff and there's like all this neon and all this air. There's lots of like tornadoes and wind stuff. It all feels like thematically tied together in a really cool way. Also, I thought as a kid there was an option to turn down the amount of announcement happening in the game. We didn't talk that much about it, but 
there, there's just an announcer constantly commentating on the things that you do. I mean, that's really only in the story mode and the Grand Prix mode. Isaiah failed to land correctly. It does happen in multiplayer, though. And I thought I remembered there being an option to turn it off or make it less frequent, uh, but I couldn't find it when I was looking for it this time. There's not. I don't know where that came from. Maybe I just, maybe I just imagined a world in which... It was less annoying. But actually, I also do like the announcer. Like, announcers are another thing that is important to future racers. <laughs> of course. Steven, list your top three future racers. <laughs> I know one of them's F-Zero. I mean, like, the yeah, obviously the best one ever is F-Zero. No questions asked. Yeah. It's, it's just F-Zero. And then there's this one. And then there's a game. I can't remember the name of it. It's like, the name is just four letters. It's like XGRA or something, and it's another GameCube game where you race on, like, motorcycles. Mm. And that game's really cool. There's also Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, which... There's a... 5Ds nuts! <laughs> God damn it! I hate you. Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds nuts is a race... Like, a future racing season of Yu-Gi-Oh! Which is dope on its own. And yeah. then there's also, like, a minigame in one of the card games where you can, like, race to get playing cards off of the ground. Very good. Very good idea. You can trick out your race mobile and do different things. But then there's also Kirby's Air Ride, which I would agree is a future racer. Somebody said that it felt like this game. I can't remember if that was you or... That was Charlie. That was Charlie or Isaiah. I don't know why I said you to imply... <laughs> <laughs> Someone specifically. Terrible. Kirby Air Ride is, like, so much, like, simpler. Like, it doesn't... Like, I think when you examine it, there are probably pretty much as many mechanics. Actually, no. It's... it's there are not that many mechanics in that game. So flying is a lot more complicated than doing tricks, I'd say, in Kirby. Yeah. Just because of how much stats play into it. Not to mention, yeah. like, the only mode people play in Kirby is the city trial mode. Which is all <laughs> stats. Yeah, the stats are confusing and weird. Yeah. And also the different carts that you have access to, or not carts, but like, I guess stars in that case, they do more variable things than I'd say most of the gear do in Sonic Riders. And there are some unique gear in Sonic Riders that do some very confusing things, but Kirby has like the Swerve Star and stuff. Yeah. I got a challenge for you. Yeah. Instead of playing the Sonic Riders soundtrack as a background music, just make it the menu music to Kirby Air Ride. <laughs> And it works just as well. I've got a challenge for you that I actually did. Just listen to the Shadow of the Hedgehog soundtrack so you can try and figure out what your favorite song is and be whole, wholly unable to pick your favorite song. Wholly unable to pick anything other than Lava Shelter. I hate you. You can find the podcast. <laughs> I was gonna. I was just about to be like, you, you can, can find, find the, the podcast, podcast at Lava, Lava Shelter Sucks. It's the final neutral stage in Shadow the Hedgehog. Prepare to be an android and for your decision not to matter. Yeah. You can email us using the email nospindashzone at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at nospindashzone. And you can follow our Twitch using the Twitch URL https <laughs> colon forward slash twitch.tv forward slash nospindashzone. Yeah. Is that the full, that the full uh, URL? It's... You know, it gets the point across. You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Isaiah Games. That's I-S-I-A-H Games. You can follow me at Draws Charlie, where I have a questionable sketch every day. You can follow me at Super Squatch, <laughs> the only one that doesn't have just the name in it. Yeah. Fun fact, Stephen Green was taken. <laughs> Amazing. Imagine that. There are just too many green Stevens in this world. Imagine my milk toast ass name being taken on Twitter. Dude, like, 
five years ago, six years ago, geez, I was like, Isaiah Games is going to be my brand, and now it's too late. Like, it doesn't matter if I want if if I want something else. This is it for me. It's okay. Like, you've got Isaiah Games, and Charlie has Draws Charlie. Yeah. I have, like, an early aughts username. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye. Have a nice night, everyone. Hello. Oh, my God. <laughs> We'd like to thank the LAG Network for making our episodes available on platforms like iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and lots more. If you're listening on YouTube and you'd like to keep up with our episodes on one of these audio platforms, just search for the LAG Radio Network and follow their feed.